Before we get going with today's podcast, I just want to jump on here for a second and personally invite you to a one-off brand new masterclass that I am hosting on Thursday the 16th of May. How to scale your online business to six figures and beyond. So if you are a course creator, a membership owner or a coach, then this is for you. I'm sharing with you my most effective strategies to become the go-to person in your industry and grow your online business. I will cover how to build your audience, how to craft an irresistible offer and how to master your launch strategy so that you will know the most effective way to grow your audience and build your email list fast, know how to craft an offer that your audience will love and create a launch that fits with you and enables you to sell with ease. And why should you come and listen to me? Well, I started doing this almost 10 years ago and the very first client I worked with back in 2016 I helped him launch his very first membership he had a done for you product and a one-to-one product and we created a membership in his first launch he got a hundred and thirty members bringing him in about sixty thousand in income every year now He has built a suite of online products that is bringing him in way over six figures every single year. This is going to be an awesome masterclass. You're going to get so much good stuff to take away with you to be able to use in your business. So to grab your free place, go to TeresaHeathWearing.com forward slash masterclass and I will see you there. You are listening to the Marketing That Converts podcast episode 200. You are listening to the Marketing That Converts podcast and I'm your host, Teresa Heathwaring. If you're a marketer, business owner or entrepreneur that is frustrated and overwhelmed with all the constant changes in digital marketing and social media, then you, my friend, are in the right place. Each week, I share with you easy, insightful and actionable steps that you can use to grow your business. So let's get started. Hello and a really warm welcome to episode 200. Can you actually believe I've done 200 episodes? Crazy. I sent out an email actually the other week saying I've been doing it for over a year and a half and I obviously got my maths entirely wrong because 200 episodes is more like three years, I think. Anyway, today is a very different episode. First off, as you heard from the intro, I have a guest with me today. Hi. This is so funny. So, this is my lovely husband, Paul. Say hi to everyone, Paul. Hi. And Paul has been on the podcast before. This isn't your debut attending, is it? No, it's not. No. We we did episode 100 and we were interviewed by the lovely Biz Paul, weren't we? Yeah, that was nice. It was. It was good fun and people really enjoyed it. So, when it came to doing episode 200, I wanted to do things a bit differently, but I also wanted to do something a bit fun, which is why the lovely Paul is with me today. But it feels a bit odd. Last time we were being interviewed in a podcast studio by Biz Paul, today we are crammed in my office, which isn't small, but it feels small with two of us in here. It's really warm. We are both sweating (laughs) because we can't have the fan on because it makes too much noise. And Paul and I are just talking to ourselves, which is nice. It's nice. Bit odd. Mm, Very odd. Yeah, but nice. Okay, so we've got a load of questions and also interspersed, you will have uh, questions from my online event. So basically during the online event saw that is members only, I asked people to ask me anything and this really isn't ask me anything. We've got some really good business questions and we've got some really funny, personal, different questions. And basically what's going to happen through this whole podcast episode is we are going to intersperse those in 
our conversation. When I say we, we're not going to do it. Phil's going to do it. So he will decide where there's a good pause and he will chuck in a question that was recorded during my event. So this should be fun. Are you ready, Mr. Paul? Yes, I think so. Okay. (laughs) So we're going to start off with a serious question. uh, And then we'll, we'll, we'll mix it up. We'll see how we feel. Okay. So the first question is from Diane in Shine Business, which she runs with her friend, her friend, her partner, Claire, uh, and they offer training and support to hair and beauty professionals in them, um, in marketing, pricing, contracts, HR, etc. They also have a membership called Shine Bright. Okay, so her question was, uh, you mentioned recently that you went mainly from face-to-face talking events to online and that you had to adapt and invest in camera tech. Were the see this is right you know this i hate reading i hate reading so this episode is going to be a bit like weird anyway uh we're the exact same here oh sorry we're the exact same here told you i can't read we're just trying to figure out through the tech it would be really helpful to know what camera you use and anything else that you recommend for your home studio setup okay so that's her first question she's got a second part question so the camera paul is a, is it Panasonic Lumix? Yeah, Panasonic Lumix. And we're going to find out and link to the exact one in the show notes. We also have these two lights that are like... that. I used to have ring lights, didn't I? And then yeah. big photographer lights. But these are like LED. Are they LED? LED yeah. Two LED lights. And also we've just bought this new thing. <laughs> I'm so technical. What have we done for the desk? Yeah, it's like one pole instead of like um, having tripod with your camera on it's just one pole that's um connected to the table itself because your table rises and lowers down so yeah it keeps everything at that height so when the table goes up the camera goes up and the mic goes up as well so yeah so i have two mics i have this one that i record which is an audio technic this is on is for the podcast and then i have a road mic which is connected to the camera which i use for interviews and when i'm on screen um, the other thing that's nice is this camera, and I'll put the link to the lens in the show notes, is that this lens blurs the background. And that's really nice, isn't it? Because mm. it just yeah. makes it look so much sharper and better. Depth. Yeah, it gives you that depth of field, which is really, really good. So I hope that helps, but I will link up to them in the show notes. Oh, also, I must give Adrian Salisbury a shout out at this point because it was his course that I did. And he tells you all the tech and how to put it together. So I will also link to him in the show notes as well. So the other question Diane had was, uh, she also really loves my makeup look and in particular my eye makeup. Uh, she said, is this a cheeky question? What eye make do you use? No problem if you'd rather not answer. I'm more than happy. I'm an open book, you know that. So I use a few different things. I use Naked palettes from Urban Decay and I also use some from Unique um, and I'll try and link to them in the show notes. I started using it. I oh, see, I've forgotten to put my thing on silent. Let me just do not disturb. See, just so you know, we're not any more professional on the 200 episodes as we are on the others. So yeah, I use Unique and I use uh, Urban Decay for my eye makeup. Just one tip on the eye makeup thing. I have really dark eye makeup. So it's the first thing I do. So once I've like put the cream on my face and whatever, before I do any foundation, I put my eye makeup because I can guarantee like I look like, I don't know what I look like, like I've been punched in the face or something because... It, the darkness is all around my eyes and then I use a white to get rid of the excess and then I put my foundation on. So hope that helps. Also, I use eyeliner above and below my eye and I use Urban Decay, I'm looking at Paul like he knows what it's called, uh, Waterline Eyeliner. That's the one I use. It's really good because I wear contact lenses and we had this trip <laughs> where we were in... Vegas, right? Yeah, we started off in Vegas and then we were heading to Laguna mm. for a photo shoot and there was something wrong with my eyes and my contact lenses and I couldn't wear them and I didn't know what it was. And 
so basically I had to have my photo shoot with my glasses, which I wasn't very happy. And then, and then I took them off some photos and then we went and paid a really expensive <laughs> trip to the opticians in Laguna and basically there was nothing wrong. It was my eyeliner and it took days to fix. It was awful. But anyway, so I now use that particular one, which is good for contact lenses. Okay, hopefully that helps. So uh, next question, let's go with the lovely Wendy Hill from Hill Start Nutrition, who's a member. So she's put, you both love to travel. What's on your bucket list? There you go, Paul, what's yours? Uh, I think for me, it's um, Yellowstone National Park. You would... like mountains yeah. and scenery, don't you? Yeah, and nature and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, so that'll be my, my go-to, which it's, Kind of crazy because we're not that far when we go over to our friends in LA and we've just never had the chance to go over, have we? So, no. Um, but that'd be good. Yeah, I think mine, I'd actually really love to go to like Japan mm. or somewhere like that. Like we've never been that part of the world, have we? No. We tend to go to the States a lot. So yeah, they're probably but pretty much anywhere right now. I'd happily go mm -hmm. anywhere. <laughs> able to get on a plane and travel again um wendy also says on the work front Teresa, do any of your family actually know what you do like what do you think i don't think so uh no not really i think i don't know i've got some idea obviously hear you on doing your podcasts all the time and yeah on calls and stuff but yeah i, I don't think, think they really if you, if you if you ask the question i don't think they're... what do i actually do mm. yeah i think my dad once said i can't believe people pay you to speak i had to listen to you talk like the whole time you were younger. And I can't believe people actually pay you to do that now, which is really nice. Thanks, Dad. Um, so, Paul, what's your biggest marketing tip? Now, I need to explain this because Paul thinks he's really funny, don't you, Paul? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. <laughs> and he often like likes to share his marketing tips uh, because he thinks by osmosis, just living with me, he's now a marketing genius. So what tips have you got for us, Paul? The listeners are keen to hear your words of inspiration. Well, obviously, Wendy put leaflets, question mark, and that's, a, a, you know, a no-brainer, really, at this day and age. You know, things, as things come back, like trends and all that kind of stuff, I do feel that um, leaflets could come back and it would be a, uh, um, I don't know, positive action for your company, Teresa. <laughs> so the other one that Paul always talks about is he says, I need merch. Yeah. Right. And especially like on a day today, so we're he, sat in here sweating. He, he constantly tells me I need sweatbands with my name on, which it's, I don't think it's going to be a thing. If I have merch, it's got to be like branded Verve Clique or something amazing like that, hasn't it? Yeah, but that's not an everyday thing. People can't just walk around with the uh, clique bottles and stuff. But they can walk around with sweatbands on, can't they? <laughs> wearing sweatbands. No, yeah. they're awful. Awful idea. Thanks, though. Uh, okay, next question. We'll go back to a serious one. So, uh, the lovely Laura from Cruise Con um, Coaching said, how long did it take you to get consistent, sorry, get consistency of clients and income? As in, what did the early days of your business look like? I don't know about you, but I don't remember, like, that feels like a lifetime ago. Mm, yeah, it does. So I think, I remember actually, the reason I took on Katie, my first team member, was because it wasn't consistent. So I would go through the problem of being really busy, getting loads of clients, stop marketing, mm. because I got super busy and I didn't have time. And then those clients would come to a natural end or the contract would finish or whatever. And then I'd be panicking then. Yeah, it was weird. You wouldn't have a... You wouldn't have consistency at that point, I don't think. Yeah, it was like waves of business, wasn't it, coming yeah. in? And then, and then there would be certain times where kind of now and at Christmas. 
things oh, which could really slow down. Yeah, like I remember one Christmas, it literally fell on its backside and I was like, what on earth is happening? And then the next Christmas, I planned for it and I was so busy. Mm. It just didn't make any sense, did it? No. But I think that was probably in the first one, two years. And honestly, I think the minute I brought on Katie to help take some of the strain, meaning I could be more consistent to show up, the more my business then started to become consistent with clients, didn't it? Yeah. And also like changing some of my products. I think in the early days, I would just do anything because I just needed money. And so I would do project-based stuff, whereas, not well, not now, but in the latter part of the agency, all I did was retainer stuff, really, wasn't it? Yeah. So they had to pay so much a month, and I knew that that was coming in, and that helped get consistent. But in those early days, it, it was a little bit scrappy. And you know what's interesting is I made really bad mistakes because I took on business that I shouldn't have. I worked with people that were awful, didn't I? Mm. And had to then end up firing them. Because I think in the early days when you're, like, panicking thinking I need this business, I need the money, which I did because at the point I started my business, Paul and I had only just met, but I lived on my own with my daughter and literally had to pay all the bills and everything until, you know, a year or two later than when we moved in together. But mm. but like taking on someone and stepping back a bit and, and having that chance to look at the business really, really helped. So I would definitely recommend maybe thinking about who else you've got in your business and who else can help just to take some of the stuff away from you that you don't have to do. That would be uh, helpful. Okay, uh, next question. Uh, we're going to go for Nick, uh, who has In Craft Corner, who's a member. For both of you, if you could have a conversation with anyone dead or alive, who would it be? You oh, go first. Okay, so I think... Oh, actually, I've just changed my mind. <laughs> just about to say Brene Brown, because you know I love Brene. But actually, I think... Oh, no, I've changed my mind again. I thought Oprah, and then I thought Michelle Obama, and then I thought, like, should it be someone really hot like Chris Hemsworth? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously not as hot as you. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Pretty hot at the moment. Yeah, we're really hot at the moment. More in a heat way than any other way. So, yeah, I think... No, I think I'm going to go with Brene. It'd be great to talk to her. Mm. What about you? Uh, Richard Brunson, I think. is um, one of the first and... Very few books I've read. So I read his uh, autobiography many, many years ago. Um, I was lucky enough when I was growing up, uh, my parents um, used to take us on holiday every year. And as I got to my teenage years, we went uh, to the States a few times. And um, that's when Virgin Atlantic was fairly new. And um, yeah, so flew on um, their 747s quite a few times and me being into aviation stuff was, uh, it was, yeah, a great company, a uh, great airline to fly with and inspired me to kind of find out about Richard Branson and read about him and, and mm -hmm. have followed him since, really. And we watched the other day, didn't we watch yeah, um, his... Into Space, yeah. His Into Space, mm. which was amazing. Yeah. And his story is amazing. So I think what we'd have to do is, you know, those conversations would have to be with both of us so I could talk to him too and you mm. could talk to Brene. Mm. Do you know who Brene is? I've heard her name. <laughs> He doesn't know who she is. That's fine. We can introduce it. Okay, next question. Jo has said, uh, so she's from the Foodies. He's also a member. She said, if you had one day's notice to plan and host a dinner for brunch. Oh, not brunch, a bunch. I thought, oh, no, I wasn't thinking brunch. A bunch of important people. What would you make? So I think, and I don't know whether Paul agrees, probably my fanciest thing that I make is my beef wellington. Yeah. 
It would have to be beef wellington, doffmar potatoes, Mm -hmm. some kind of red winey jus thing. And although it'd be kind of ironic because I can't eat it because it's got pastry and I can't eat pastry. (laughs) Uh, But I'd maybe make a gluten-free one for me. (laughs) What would you make, Paul? (laughs) Um, Sausage chips and beans, probably. (laughs) So Paul and I, right. I I educated Paul when we got together, didn't I? What, on food, yeah. Yeah. So... Basically, Paul is, he's, he's a military man. He was in the military for a long time and he's very practical. So Paul eats to live. Like, I'm hungry, my body needs food, I will eat food. And it doesn't, it didn't really used to matter to you a whole lot, did it? No. What it was. No. And then I came along and I lived to eat. Like, and if I'm going to eat a meal, it has to be the best thing ever. I hate wasting calories. I hate eating something and that was not worth it. So anyway, my high maintenance cooking came into play and now Paul doesn't cook at all really you because I the stuff I make you don't want to make but you do love I do all the prep with you though oh yeah he do, he's a good sous chef aren't you hmm. I tell you what's prep and then I do the cooking yeah but he doesn't like effort in cooking it frustrates you doesn't it yeah it just takes time yeah so he'd really rather not do all that but yeah so I think I think that's probably the best thing I I would cook, is mm. it? Yeah, I think so. Although, no, you told me once that uh, one of my meals was like you'd pay money for it, and that wasn't mm. the big one. I can't remember what that was. It was a chicken burger. Oh, yeah, that's nice, yeah. That's really good. Literally just a chicken burger. And you do good risotto. Yeah, I do a nice risotto. I do all my food's nice, Paul. Yeah. Although I'm trying to be healthier, and he's not liking the lentils and the beans and that no. sort of thing. Not for him. No. Nope. Okay, so that's what we'd make, Joe. Uh, so you'd have to choose whether you'd want to go to Paul's Sausage, eggs, chips and beans dinner on my view, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm not, not knocking sausage, eggs, chips and beans. It is quite nice. Mm. Okay, so next, let's go with another worky question. Two seconds. I scroll down and find it. So this one is how to hone your message. I have read about doing market research, but don't have time to go around asking folks what their top three challenges are, etc. What questions as a marketer might... Sorry, I told you I hate reading. Well, I should make Paul read these. What questions to ask a marketer you might want to hire, especially in the beginning of your business? So that's by, now I hope I pronounce your name right, Kuran, Kurana, I think that's right, from Souls Enterprise. They are, they help spiritual abuse and sexual abuse survivors make money and get the relationships they truly deserve. Amazing. So questions to ask a marketer. So I did a blog on this ages ago. Do you remember about how to hire a social media person? Mm. But um, let me think, let me think. So for me, if they've worked in your industry, that could be a good thing. That's not to say they have to have worked in your industry. I've worked in so many different industries with so many different businesses. And for me, that's only ever helped because it just means I get lots of experience doing lots of different things. But if they have got some experience, then that is helpful. You want to be asking things like what experience they had, what do they do? One thing that's really important, if someone's going to say to you, and I see this all the time, it really irritates me. I see agencies saying, we do social media, we're really good on social media. And then you look at their social media and it's absolutely pants. So for me, I wanted to make sure all my stuff was as good as it could be, because it's like, if I'm telling you I'm good at this stuff, my stuff needs to be that good. So if I'm saying I could do Instagram, I need to have a successful Instagram. If I'm saying websites are super important. If you're a website designer, you need to have a good website. So that's the thing I'd be looking at in terms of that. The other thing I'd be thinking about is how are they educating themselves? How are they keeping 
up with the latest trends? How are they making sure they understand what's going on in the world? Because again, in my experience, sometimes, and I'm not saying all agencies are like this, definitely not, but sometimes in an agency, they're not moving with the times as fast as an individual can, just because when I was an agency, it's my business. I've got to make sure I am totally up on everything. And that was why I did so much training and learned so much stuff and did all that good stuff. So yeah, I think some of those types of things, but also you've got to get on with them. Like when I've got rid of clients, it's because we haven't gelled or I don't, you know, love the way they are. So I think if you get on with them, that might be really good. But also in terms of honing your message, it takes ages. Like only just now do I feel like I'm getting somewhere with my stuff because I've got some help, haven't I? Mm. Who's really good with words. But like, yeah, it's only now that I think I'm feeling more confident and it will change all the time. It will constantly change. So don't panic too much. Just have always in the back of your mind, you know, if my perfect person was reading this, what would they think or how would they speak or what words would they use? So, yeah, that's a cool question. Awesome. Thank you. So let me, I'm literally scrolling up and down a spreadsheet here. So uh, the lovely Kate Treadway, she's just started off doing a new business and I'll link to it. I'm sorry, I've forgotten the name of it. I feel awful now. Kate has put, uh, what's the most ridiculous thing you've ever heard someone say to me? I don't know. Like, honestly, I'm really struggling to think of something. Can you think of anything? Mm, is it something I said? <laughs> I mean, that's pretty standard most days, but I'm joking. I'm mm. joking. Um, the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard someone say. Like, oh, yeah. I, uh, see, when it comes to business, a lot of people wind me up a bit when they say, when they try and tell people how to run their business in life and they don't know and they're not being considerate of other people, that stuff gets on my nerves, doesn't it? Mm, yeah. So I don't like that. People who think they know everything and are arrogant, that is not my thing. There is always something to learn and always someone to learn from. So, yeah, something around those lines would probably be, like, the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. So I'm sorry, Kate, that was a terrible answer. Paul, your question from Kate was, what's the most useless thing you've ever bought? Mm, good question. Okay, so we had to uh, purchase some curtains for our dining room patio doors. And we did lots of research, searching for lots of different uh, curtains. Next Door Neighbours had some really nice yeah. ones. Basically so just we stole them. yeah had a I look did. at uh, tried to find those exact curtains found the exact curtains got really excited and one evening we measured up and measured twice obviously as they always say to and then put the sizing in on the uh, website and they came out to be super cheap so we thought brilliant excellent ordered them what a result and yeah so they turned up and the bag turned up and they were pretty light and the bag was pretty fairly small <laughs> got them out of the packet and offered them up to the window and they were how what they were about. So I think they should have been over two meters because it's like a big patio window. We yeah. Got. And I think they were like 20, 20 centimeters. <laughs> so they were like tiny. Literally. The length was fine. The length was fine. The width was ridiculous. Like it yeah, like didn't cover anything. But one thing that Paul has failed to mention in this story as you know, I love a gin. Now, what doesn't help is that Paul is as bad as I am and we are terrible at encouraging each other. And someone described it to me as like we're two naughty children who've been left at home for the weekend without their parents and we're just going wild in the drinks cabinet, except that's our life every night. Not every night. Most <laughs> nights. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we'd already had quite a few gins and we'd measured up while drunk and ordered it wrong. And 
the funny thing was we'd ordered a, a, a blind for the kitchen mm. in the same material yeah. and that blinds was... are notoriously hard to get right because obviously they're really specific and it was bang on spot on wasn't it yeah so somehow we'd got this thing wrong but it was hilarious mm. uh, and it's the, and we had those up for quite a while so we did put them up didn't we they would like frame the window yeah and then, and then we bought some other curtains to go in between mm. and then we had like these four curtain situation going on mm. and that became the story of you know don't order stuff while you're drunk <laughs> because uh, this is what will happen anyway we got rid of them and we we now have these like funky blind things that are in the window don't we which mm. nice so yeah, that's the most useless thing Paul has ever bought. Um, and then Kate asked, what's your best piece of advice? So you go first. What's What advice would you give someone? Ugh. Don't get too stressed about anything. It's wasted energy. Um, and just try and try and be positive about most things, if not everything. And then, and well, yeah, try not to keep thinking about the negatives that could happen. Because again, it's wasted energy. I've wasted so much energy in my past thinking of what could happen or what you know what might happen and now i try not to think of that and just think of positive things and yeah that's me really yeah i think we both try and be generally very positive don't we we mm. try and be you know as happy as we can most of the time i think yes yeah so yeah that's that's good i, I think, think because we've been through a fair uh, bit when it comes through with divorce and all that kind of stuff and yeah, we had our fair share of stress, didn't we? Yeah, and that's what I've taken from that whole situation is to try and be positive and, yeah, and not think of what could happen. No, and just wait for it. Mm. And then mine, I think, kind of really follows on nicely from that. It's like, what if this is exactly where you're meant to be? Mm. Yeah. Like, these, you know... These things happen for a reason. Or yeah. So whether you believe that or not, it just helps me feel better about it. So whether you think, well, there's no positive in this... I just think thinking, well, there's a reason for this makes me feel a bit happier about that scenario, doesn't it? Yeah. And when we look back at all the awfulness we went through, it all led to something that was better and right yeah. and good. And you just can't see it at the time, can you? No. Yeah. So, yeah. Good question. Thanks, Kate. OK, so I'm Caroline. I'm the owner of Huntington House Kitchen in Shrewsbury. And my question, Teresa, is regarding your daily routine. So you've put up on social media in the past and you've explained to us in the academy that you have your daily routine. Personally, I would love to start my day off organised. I'd just like your advice on when you have two young children and you think that you know what your day starts with, how do you try and plan to do that? How, how do you plan your routine when you potentially have distractions coming in? Love it. That's a great question. So... And you've raised a really good point there. It's all about your season of life because some people will read Miracle Morning and be able to get up at 5am, do all the things and be amazing. Some people who have children will barely be able to get out of bed before their child wakes them and then they're into the day already. So I think with a routine of any kind, it's about being realistic. It's about understanding your limitations of your home and your life and, and what season you're in. But I think... It's about like even sometimes the really small stuff. So if you know the children normally get up at seven and you can get up at seven, who am I kidding? Normally get up at like 6.30, six. If you can get up 15 minutes beforehand and just use that 15 minutes and do a few small things. So for me, if I only had a little bit of time in the day, I would get up before anybody else. I would go make a coffee. I'd sit and just breathe. I know it sounds ridiculous, but instead of doing a whole meditation that might be 10, 15, 20 minutes long, I would just breathe. I would just take a moment. Then I would 
maybe journal or just write a few things that I'm grateful for. Again, can take minutes. And then in terms of planning my day, I think one of the best things you can do is look at your diary for each day. So every single day I look at my diary and that makes me realistic about what I can achieve. Because sometimes you sit there and think, we'll get to the end of the day and think, oh my goodness, I should have done this, this and this and you haven't done it. But actually when you plan your day and you realize, okay, I've got a call then, I've got the school run then, I've got to put this thing in then, I might do my lunch then, this, 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 you'll then start noticing, actually I don't have that gap. Or you'll see where there is a gap and you can then say, I'm going to do that thing. So I think, for you, because you've got a busy life and children and all that other stuff, I think it's really super important to, to realise that and don't beat yourself up. And if you can just do 15 minutes extra, then great. Otherwise, you know, it's not the end of the world. And then the other thing you can do is by the end of the day is to just take a minute again, do the grateful thing again, do the, you know, kind of how was my day maybe. And then if you, it might work at the end of the day better and then plan for the following day maybe. Does that help? Really helpful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Caroline. Hi, I'm Lee at Soul Resuscitation, and I help people understand how they're designed to create whatever they want in their life and rid themselves of any blocks that are in their way. What I'd love to know, Teresa, is what is your dream gig? Where would you most like to speak at? And also, who would you most like to interview? Oh, okay, that's a good one. So when I think about my vision board that I did used to have with the speaking stuff on, and this is really interesting because the place where I used to really want to speak was social media marketing world. And I got so hung up on it. And if you are slightly woo woo, then maybe you will realize that like the more you cling desperately onto something, the less likely you are to get it. And I was desperate to speak there. It never happened. And now I'm kind of glad it didn't happen. And actually I'm glad it worked out the way it is. But I think it would have to be a TED, I think. Obviously, I've done a TEDx, and that was really interesting how I manifested that TEDx. So let me briefly tell you this story. So I had TEDx on my vision board, and I hadn't ever given it any thought ever. Like, I wasn't even entirely sure what a TEDx was, I don't think. I just knew I wanted, like, that would be an amazing place to speak. Had it on my vision board for ages. Ended up going to an event where I wasn't meant to be going. So a friend of mine runs a local network thing. I don't really know local network or I didn't at that point. And she said to me, will you come along? Because it's the first day of doing it, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, I got my daughter. And I said, I've got my daughter. I don't think I can. And she's like, bring her with you. And I was like, oh, okay. So I went under slight duress, went along with my daughter. And then uh, while I was there, someone else in the room was talking and said something, something TEDx Telford which is where I live. And I was like, what? So I went up to her during the break. I was like, what's, what's this? And I need to do that, please. And she was like, it's application and you have to apply. And it's tomorrow, the deadline date. So I went home. I then, don't mind sharing, had a horrendous day with my stepdaughter, spent the day mostly in tears. It got to about 7 p.m. in the evening. I hadn't done anything. You have to record a video. You have to record what you're going to talk about and all this sort of thing hadn't done anything and just thought, you know what? I'm not going to do it. I, it's just, I've had the worst day. I do not look great. I'm not going to do it. And Paul said to me, just do it. Like, just do it. And I was like, yeah, fine. Did it, sent it off. Didn't think for one second I would get picked. And I did. And it was amazing. So, so yeah, like, it's just so funny how it comes. But, but yeah, I think probably Ted. And then who would I most like to interview? Mm, that is a good one. Oh, Renee Brown. I was thinking like the Richard Bransons, the, 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 no, 
I just love Brene Brown. I just think she's amazing. I'd love to interview her. Thank you, Lee. That was awesome. Brilliant. Thanks. Hello. My name is Simone Summers. I run Simone Summers and we help SMEs and SMBs uh, onboard new employees to make them more efficient. Um, and my question is, the way you grew up and the way you live now is obviously very different from what you told. Would you say that there was like a pivotal point in your life where things changed? And, and how did your career change as well? Because usually, you know, like social heritage and stuff. So what was like the changing moment? And what do you think was it that made that change for you? Oh, that's a great question. I So in case someone's listening and they don't know, you know, as I grew up, we were really poor uh, from a barely working class family. No, in fact, I was the first one to go to university and no one had ever had their own business. Like it wasn't even considered. And I think the point in which it changed for me was I went to work. I was a nursery nurse, which is ironic now because I hate kids. Um, but I was a, maybe that's why I hate kids. I was a nursery nurse and I worked at a private nursery before any grants and government things. So it really was like you had to be able to afford it to put your child there. And I started babysitting for these people and I started looking at their houses and I was like, who knew this existed? Like, because I didn't, I hadn't come from that. I didn't know anybody that was wealthy. I didn't know anybody that had got a big house, successful jobs, nice cars. And I started going to these houses and I was like, how do I get this? And I used to buy 25 Beautiful Homes, the magazine. Is it 25 Beautiful Homes? Something like that. And I used to go to every one of them and go, what's their job? What do they do? What's their job? What do they do? Like, how on earth do I get this? And I think, not that I knew that at the time, but I think that started me on this kind of, I want more, I want more, I want more, I want more. And then the business thing I completely fell into, like, out of, I've no idea how, by handing my notice in at a job because I'd got a bit fed up of it, not getting another job quick enough and then going, let's give it a whirl. How hard could it be? So, yeah, but I think that I had a great, there's a great saying that's, uh, if I'd never seen such riches, I could cope with being poor. And that to me is just bang on right and the minute I saw what else was out there I knew I wanted something more thank you Simone that was a great question uh Paula coming to you next these are good questions I love it hello I'm Paula um and I run a company called Outstand Development and I'm a leadership coach focused on emotional and physical intelligence so I've got a bit of a different question so what stands out for you as the moment in your life when you've laughed the hardest <laughs> that's brilliant I love that question do you know what that's tough because we laugh all the time I say it's my favorite thing to do and my husband and I we howl constantly at stuff and many a time like I I'm one of those people right that will will think of something to say and I am howling at myself and I'm like I should be on stage I'm so funny like <laughs> I'm hilarious which is so hilarious so there was once this thing where I had a graphic designer used to work for me and Matt and he's ace and he's really good friends we got on really well and we always used to send each other like messages of like street talk or gangster talk like the most unlikely conversation that I would have and I used to have to google like give me some street talk for this or whatever and I used to send him messages and this one it, is in my head and I can't remember off the top of my head. It is going to come to me at some point. Um, and I sent this one message to him and I was sat in one of my clients at the time, conference centre for, and basically there was loads of surgeons and doctors in there. And I am literally sat at my own computer laughing 
nearly in tears at myself because I can't believe how funny I am that I found this phrase. It was just brilliant. But no, honestly, we do laugh all the time. Paul and I, it's really important. You've got to be happy. Yeah, I love laughing. Thank you, Paula. That was ace. Steph, I'm going to come to you next. Hi, I'm Steph from Stephanie Home Alignment, and I help families feng shui their homes to help achieve their dreams and calling what it is that they want. And my question is you, coming from a similar background to you as a nurse, nurse and following the expectations of education, higher education and expectations of families, what could you say to somebody who wants to go against the grain of that and wants to follow their guts but doesn't know if they can? Oh, that, I love that. That's great. Because I think we've been brought up in a society of you go to school or you go to college or you go to university, you get a job. And I think it's really sad that there's not more entrepreneurial, more doing what you love. And I remember, in fact, this is this is awful, but my brother's special needs, as I've said before, and I remember he went to a career counsellor at college. And obviously there's a limit as to what he could do, but he said to him, what do you want to do? And Mark said, I want to do IT, I like computers. And he, he didn't think that Mark would be capable of it without even knowing or understanding. And he said to him, what about bricklaying? Because <laughs> they're so similar, aren't they, right? And Mark was like, I don't want to bricklay. And oh, we had to say he doesn't want to bricklay. And he's like, well, sometimes, Mark, you know, you just do a job because you have to earn money and not because you like it. And I just thought, oh, my God, that's the most awful thing I've ever heard. That's the saddest thing I've ever heard. Like, who wants to live a life where they work in a job and they don't even like it? And secondly, who says he can't do IT? FYI, he went on to do IT a couple of different levels and he was absolutely fine. But I think the mindset thing's huge. And I and earlier on in, in our conversations, Biz Paul said that his son wants to be a YouTuber and he's like 100%. He could do that. And I think that's the thing. It's It's being realistic about you can achieve anything, literally anything. If it's been done, if it's physically possible, like, you know, humans can't fly without a machine, but if it's been done and it's possible, then yes, but you have got to put the work in. And if you're willing to do that, then you can have absolutely anything. But I would totally say, and I think I'm as a parent more pushing the, what do you want to do? What makes you happy? What do you love? So yeah, I love that question. Thank you, Steph. That was ace. Carol, you're next. Hi, I'm Carol. Kaja and I'm, I have uh, Kaja Art as my business and I help people buy perfect abstract art for, to bring their walls to life. My question is, do you think there is a time limit to making a business successful? Short answer. And you know, I'm not all about the short answers. <laughs> Why say two words when 20 will do? Um, no, no, not at all. And and again, like, I think this is a great time to bring up the fact of what makes it successful for you. I think someone else's measure of a successful business is often down to money. And it's like, if you haven't hit that money target, then you're not successful. I think for me, what makes me think about success, and if you said to me, when was my business or do I deem my business successful or when did it get successful? Like, yeah, I totally see it successful because I love what I do. I get to do amazing things every day with people that I love and I get to earn some money from that. Do I want it to be bigger and better than it is now? Of course I do. I've got huge ambitions, but it doesn't mean that I don't think it's successful now. So I think, and, and again, from something we learned earlier today in, our, in one of the presentations, 
I think when we're just focused on that success goal or that thing at the end, we don't enjoy what we're doing. And what if, for whatever reason, completely out of control, you don't get to that thing that you deem successful and basically you've not enjoyed the ride. So I think for me, I I once heard a podcast that said um, they were talking about happiness and how do you know if you truly are happy and have happiness? And this woman said, if this was it, so if today you didn't move any more forward than where you are, would you be happy? And I sat there and thought, yeah, I would. I would be happy. I want more, but I would be very happy with what I've got. So, yeah, I don't think there's I think success is the fact that you've even started a flipping business, quite honestly, and you should high five yourself every day for that. So love it. Thank you, Carol. That was awesome. I'm coming to Louise next. Hi, I'm Louise Sims and I'm from Louise Sims Web Services and I create beautiful websites for female entrepreneurs. And my question to you is, if you were hosting a dinner party, which two people would you invite? And they can be alive or dead. Oh, I like that. Who would I invite? Mm, That's a good one. Uh, Stephen Fry. I just think he's super smart. You'd have a really good conversation with that. I really like him. And then I feel feel like I've got to invite someone like Chris Hemsworth. Just because the opportunity to sit at the table with Chris Hemsworth. He's just like, yeah, he's just the best. I love him. He's ace. So, yeah, I think for the looks, the Chris Hemsworth, and for the conversation, Stephen Fry. I think I picked two males and not a female. Yeah. And, can I, and if I could have another one, I'd have Brene there, just to balance it out. Although I'd put her on the side with the Stephen Fry. I'd obviously be sat next to Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> I love it. Thank you, Louise. Uh, I'm coming to Kim next. Hello, my name is Kim from Kim Car Coaching and I'm a positive psychology coach who does online training for businesses and teachers. My question is, you are in charge of next year's Glastonbury Festival. Who would your top three pyramid stage artists be? Oh, I like that. That's good. Okay. So unless I want my husband to divorce me, I better say someone like Gorgon City because we love dance music and they're excellent I really like them pink just because like she's amazing and then I feel like I've got to mix it up who would I have (laughs) Uh, I'd ask take back take that to come back together and have them because I flipping love take that like who doesn't love take that but yeah pink take that and uh Gorgon City for the coolness of my husband Ace question. Thank, Thank you. you. I love it. I love it. Um, and I love that you love festivals, Kim. I love festivals, but I do in VIP because that camping is not for me. I love it. Okay, Nick, coming to you next. Hi, I'm Nick from In Craft Corner, and I create a bespoke range of baby accessories and keepsakes made from clothes. Uh, my question is Do you have any tips for someone who wants to become uh, like a public speaker or speak in front of groups that doesn't feel like they have the confidence to do that? Yes. Okay, so I think if you want to speak, it is a lot to do with your confidence because obviously you've got to put yourself out there and you've got to stand on stage and you've got to have those conversations. But I think my first tip is know your subject in and out. So if someone asked me to get on stage tomorrow with no preparation at all in front of thousands of people and talk about bananas, I couldn't do it, obviously. But if they asked me to talk about marketing or social media or something, I know I could easily fill half an hour, an hour on that subject. But I think some of the other things are, don't be scared that someone else is going to know stuff that you don't know because there's loads of stuff and you don't know it. Be completely yourself. 
because if you try and be someone else, it's really hard and you can't keep it up. I've had one of the one of the events I spoke at, one of the last ones I did in person, there was a guy there who was a trainer for speakers and he critiqued me uh, very kindly of him. And um, and he was like, oh, you know, you say this and do this. And I was like, yeah, that's me. Yeah, I talk fast. Yeah, I do this. And, and I can't change it. So some people will like it. Some people won't like it. So, yeah, I would do that. But the other thing, my, my main advice is start small. Just start doing it. Don't wait for the big stuff. You're not going to get the big stuff without doing the little stuff because you're not going to be known. And I think often when people decide they're going to be a speaker or an authority or whatever it is, I think they think I can just get straight on that stage. And I'm not even kidding you. I have done talks in like ball pit centre things for kids to five mums. I've done talks to three people. I've done like I've done loads of really teeny tiny talks. But what it helps you do is get your confidence. And if it gets a bit bigger, it makes you realise you know what you're talking about. And then you can start growing and, and getting higher up, as it were. But yeah, absolutely. I think you start small and just start doing it. Thank you, Nick. That's awesome. Uh, Gail, are you there, Dom? Yes, I'm Gail Sibley, an artist and instructor, and I help uh, empty nesters and retirees who aspire to develop their their art by giving them skills and technical skills as well as mindset skills. Yeah. And my question for you is, I'm ready to take my business to the next level. And I know that part of that means hiring help, someone to help me, many people to help me. My question for you then is, when you came to that point and how did you know that point what was your first step towards hiring someone oh that's a good question so i think you're you always think you're not ready to hire someone it's a very scary thought to go from just you to giving it to someone else and i think you in our heads as entrepreneurs we always think of business owners we think i'm not ready for for this and i need to earn more or i need to do this thing or i need to do that thing so for me, it came to a point where I was, because at the time I had the agency and I was getting clients in and I was getting busy and I was stopping doing things. And then I would lose those clients and I'd panic and I'd go, oh, I need to do these things again. And I just knew that if I got another big rush in, I just couldn't manage and I needed some other things in place. So the first thing I did, there's an amazing lady called Jen Lena who teaches people how to take on VAs. So I actually downloaded a lead magnet of hers and it talked about getting a Filipino VA or getting someone who's over in the Philippines. And at that point, I wasn't ready for that because I don't think I really knew what I wanted to give them. I didn't understand. So actually I looked in the UK and I looked at someone I knew who knew a VA. So I just very luckily, and I guess this is always a good place to start in terms of people who know people and go, who knows a good VA? And in fact, just literally the other day in the Marketing Academy, someone asked this question. And I went and met her. It was an in-person thing at the first time. Because again, this is before like the whole online learning working thing. I went and met her and she interviewed me and I interviewed her type thing. And she's, I sort of said, I don't really know what I need you to do. And she's like, it'll come, it's fine. And I had her for 10 hours a week, which I initially thought was ridiculous. Uh, not 10 hours a week, 10 hours a month, sorry. And I thought, what on earth is she going to do in 10 hours a month? Like, that's not going to save me anything. Oh my goodness. I hadn't got the faintest idea. It was amazing. Like, it was about being really open with her and talking about the stuff you were doing. She started to get systems and processes in place that I never knew I needed. And then she was able to take things off me and free me up and do things consistently, whereas maybe I couldn't do them consistently. So, she came in, but I did it as a as a VA because I was scared and I was nervous of 
what if I can't afford to keep her? And the funny thing is, the minute she came in, I freed up, I got busier, earned more money, bought someone else in, busier, earned more money, put someone else in. And it and that's how it works. So when people are sat there thinking, I can't afford a VA, I like to think about the exercise of, well, how much do you charge an hour, right? And I know some people don't know what they charge an hour. So put a figure on it and imagine what you charge an hour and then decide whether an hour of your time messing around doing something that you really don't need to do is worth that or whether you could pay someone else to do it. And I think the other thing that I say, which I know a few people have, you know, gone, yes, that's amazing. And in fact, someone said it yesterday, Jennifer said it, is what I said to Jennifer is if you're doing something more than once in your business, you shouldn't be doing it. So if you're doing the same task, the repetitive task more than once, you shouldn't be doing it. Anybody can do it, you know, and you just need to record a video and give it them. Um, and now I have, uh, I still have my VA who I took on all those many years ago. She is in a very different role with me now, but I have two Filipino VAs as well who work with me. One specifically does the podcast. One is full-time and kind of picks up all the stuff that she can do. I have the very lovely Becky who does quite a lot of hours with me a week uh, because and again, different people for different roles. So the reason I have Becky is because I talk so much better than I write. And the Filipino lovely team members, everything's done through email or Slack or whatever. Whereas I needed someone like Becky, who I could go, Becky, I've got to do this, 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 this. I don't know what I'm going to do about this. And Becky go, right, I can do that. I'll send that to Joanne. I'll do this. I'll do that. And decipher that for me out of me talking. So again, different people for different things. So I think start small. Do look, at, you know, Joanne and Sophia are amazing team members. I've had them. I've had Sophia for years and Joanne at least two, maybe maybe two years now, nearly. Um, they're great. Awesome. So, and honestly, the stuff they take off your plate, anything with a process, anything you do more than once, absolutely VA. Love it. Thank you, Gail. That's awesome. Mr. Biz Paul. Uh, I'm Biz Paul. I uh, help people get better at communicating with their customers and clients. And I am a general marketing personality. And my question for you, Teresa, is this. Imagine, if you will, that there is a popular uprising and you have been installed as world president. It's not too far a stretch, this. No, what is next week. What is your first act as world president? Oh my goodness, that is a pretty big, heavy question, that. Oh my goodness. Like, does it have to be something serious? No. Okay, what would I do? I would, just thinking of what's important to me. This is going to be a long podcast episode. This is, because it's hard <laughs> to think about. Uh, I would install Prosecco Fountains in high streets. I think that's probably a good thing, and have it come through the mains. I think that's definitely something we should have. Make everybody jollier and happier, I think. I think that's a good thing. And then obviously like a four-day work week, standard. No one's allowed to work more than four days in a week. Not even business owners. That would be nice. I think I, I think you could probably get me started now. There's probably loads of things I could do. <laughs> There's something definitely around plants and house plants on prescription, maybe. I think house plants should definitely be on prescription. Shouldn't have to pay for them. All the important stuff, Biz Paul, as you can tell, I'm, I am running for world president next so yeah great question thanks i'd vote for you <laughs> i don't i think i'd be dangerous i'm not sure i'd be the right person for the job i love <laughs> it thank you Biz Paul. that was awesome the thing i love to ask Teresa is that see i've um been a member of your academy since may 2020 
and have seen how you've answered questions and given business advice to people with such an array of business um, skills and diversity. And I know that you say on your podcast, you don't have a niche and your niche is you and your advice. So I know as a business owner that um, implementing the advice you give feels amazing. As a business owner, I feel empowered to take your advice and then implement it. And I just wanted to know for you, as the person giving the advice, how does that make you feel in your everyday job? Um, I just, yeah, would like your take on it, really. Okay, thanks. Bye. So that was a DM that I had from the very lovely Caroline from Huntington House Kitchen. And Caroline, as she said, has been a member of my academy. And as she said, you know, my job when I'm in there is to give advice and to support and suggest things. And I don't niche down in terms of a particular sector or anything like that. So uh, I really love the question. And how does it make me feel like giving that advice when people take it? I mean, like it's the best thing ever. It's the best thing ever knowing that I can support people with their business, that I can give them ideas that are going to generate sales, that are going to make them manage it better, that is going to make sense to them and generally improve their business and their life and hopefully get them one step closer to that dream business that they've been hoping for. So for me, it's like, that's why I do this stuff. I love it so, so much. Jennifer Gilmore, and I'll link up to her in the show notes, has said, if you fall ever fall out, does it affect your business? So Paul has worked in my business doing various bits for a long time. He does less now because you're lazy. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why aren't you working hard enough for me? Yeah, well. um, um, so you're just busier. So, yeah. But Paul does a lot in, or has done a lot in the business. And we looked at this question and we were like, do you know what? We don't often fall out, do we? No. Because I'm right and he knows it. Yeah. <laughs> No, we don't often fall out. If we do, it's about the kids. Yeah, pretty much. About each other's kids. Like, because obviously I have one and he has two, but one still lives at home. And it's normally about like parenting Mm. stepchild stuff, which is really stressful. We hate that that's the case, but we kind of just have to go. I guess that's what you get from bringing. Yeah. Two families together. Yeah. With different rules, different thoughts on things and. But yeah, we don't really fall out very much, do we? No, no. I, we haven't fallen out for ages, have we? Maybe we should have fallen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I think back to that whole, like, life's too short thing. I just can't be bothered. I just want to be, like, have life as easy and as nice as possible, really. Yeah. But yeah, no, we're pretty good, actually. And, and if it, if we did fall out, it doesn't affect my business because I just come into my happy place. Mm. my office and, and then work. and work so it's fine it's fine no worries okay so another one let's do the one by lovely Shannon uh, Shannon's been in the academy since day one I think I will link up to her so Shannon says what's the dumbest way you've ever gotten a scar like I don't have many scars so my and I don't yeah so the only two scars I really have are I have a chicken pox scar on the top of my nose where I picked chicken pox as a child can mm-hmm. you see it yeah and then I have a scar on my leg 
where I was riding a bike that was too big for me and I fell off it and the mudguard bit went into my leg and took out a chunk of my leg. But that's about it, really. Yeah. What about you? Um, I think one visible visible scar that I've got is on my finger that um, when I worked at a stately home um, and I was like a maintenance guy and so I had my own truck. And You were young. How yeah, old were you? It's just before I joined the Air Force. So I was like sort of 18, 19, something like that. And I used to get a, a list of jobs to do throughout the week. And my boss used to leave me alone as long as I got the list done. Then it was great. And I just used to listen to music and headphones and stuff all week. And the weather used to be nice like it is now. So it was perfect. Um, so I had a job of of cutting um, some big branches off a tree in the middle of a field quite deep into, uh, into the park. And um, I had a big bow saw with big um teeth on the blade and um i was just you know happy go lucky and just kind of went and took um uh, put my hand on the branch to hold it um as i was gonna saw the branch and basically just the blade bounced off the uh, branch and then went straight into my finger and then i just put all all my effort into cutting my finger rather than the branch <laughs> so uh, yeah and that's probably the only visible one i've got when you say yeah. that, that makes me think that people are thinking, oh, what non-visible ones have you got? Well, no, as in, you know, visible, visible ones. <laughs> oh, as, as in, in you, you can even see a scar. Because yeah. obviously I've, I've fallen over a few times skiing, you know, and I... I smashed your face I in. smashed my face. But and your leg scar. went black. Yeah, my leg went black. But that's not visible now, is it? You know? No. No. So. Yeah. I, or, I just want to clarify that just to make sure yeah. people thought... Was it whack my head on your oh, yeah, boot like, lid or... Yeah, um, yeah. And you cut your head open... Mm. But there's no scar for that. No, no. So yeah, we're not we're not really. Which is funny because I'm really clumsy, or I always think I'm really clumsy. So it's funny that I don't have more scars. Mm. But yeah, no, I think we're pretty good. Uh, Shannon's also asked. Oh, she's got another couple of questions. So, what's the most exciting non-work related trip you've ever taken? Now, this is almost impossible to answer because pretty much all my trips I take are work related. Although I can say one: my very first trip to Vegas, where we got married. That was probably one of the most exciting trips I've ever taken. Yeah. That wasn't cool. work related. Yeah. And it was good for me because I can now show you around and stuff. And... Yeah. Because Paul has been in Vegas a lot and worked out there when he was in the Air Force. I mean, you know, there's war zones and then they send them to Vegas. So don't mm. feel also bad for them. But yeah. And that was really amazing. That was a great trip, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But is that like, the, again, most of your trips are, oh no, you went to New York and went on top of one of the Twin Towers. Mm. Yeah, that was obviously years ago. But yeah, that was that was good. Yeah. Yeah. Paul was really lucky as a child, even though like his parents weren't loaded, they were really careful with their money and they had like a an abroad holiday every year, didn't you? Yeah. And like not just going to Spain for the week, it was like Yeah, we did um, New York, Miami, Vegas back then, LA back then. Um yeah, so and I'm talking how old am I now? So I'm talking it's very old. 30 years ago. So, yeah, you know, how things have changed. You know, I can remember I'd say I've got pictures of Vegas when there was nothing from Caesar's Palace all the way up to where Excalibur is, if you know Vegas on the Strip. There was mm -hmm. nothing. There was just a massive strip of desert. Weird. Crazy. Mm -hmm. Whereas I was from a family that was very poor and we had, I think, one holiday and it was to a holiday park in England somewhere. And, yeah, so I actually didn't, fly on a plane till I was over 18 uh, I don't think and then when I met Paul suddenly we travelled 
all the time because mm-hmm. Paul, being military, literally has spent his life flying around the world and been to some crazy, amazing places. Mm. What's the like? What's the best? No, what's the craziest place you've been to? What do you mean crazy then? No, like as in like unusual. Um, I think it's probably um, is it Abuja in Africa? Um, yeah, and just seeing how the locals kind of pass the day and set up barbecues and and <laughs> markets on the, the motorway, <laughs> and yeah, and and turning up at their international airport and ugh, weird people just parking on bits of dirt ground to yeah. park the car for the week while they go away somewhere oh man it's a different world totally Paul has seen world. some crazy stuff like I was new to military world when I met Paul I didn't know anybody in the military and then some of the stories he tells and still tells like you know he'll be like oh did I tell you that time that such and such and such and I'm like no and yeah like it's like another world isn't it mm, another yeah. world so yeah and I'd love to say some stuff, but obviously I don't know whether you're allowed to say some of the stuff, no. so we'll probably avoid that. But yeah, it's amazing, amazing. Um, okay, and then Shannon also asked, how did we meet? So, I don't know that we... Have we talked about this before? So, I did online dating, and I hated it. I used to last about five days, and then it was like, uh-uh, I cannot cope with these idiots anymore. And I'd gone on this new... I'd, like, I'd been single for ages, and I went back on the online dating... And this guy, and like, we can't remember who spoke to each other first. So I like to pretend that Paul spoke to me first. Mm. And then his photo was really bad because Paul had been married for a long time. And him and his wife split up. And he'd taken this photo from, like, underneath his chin. So he looked like he'd got about three chins. The lighting was terrible. Like, everything was awful. But because I am not, like, completely horrible... I thought, this guy seems really nice. We'd had some really nice conversations, hadn't we? Mm-hmm. And then I was like, do you know what? I've got to come off again because I can't bear it. So I said to him, listen, I'm coming off the dating app again. I'd only been on about three days. Uh, and if you want to carry on talking, we can somewhere else. So we did. And then when we met, I was like, it was like I was catfished, but the wrong way around. Like, I turned up and I was like, oh, my actual God, this guy is stunning. And yet these photos he took were just dreadful. Because <laughs> he doesn't know how to take a selfie. And obviously he didn't want to ask his children or his friends to help him. So, yeah, it was ace. I was like, I have landed on my feet. And people are very mean and say to me all the time, how did you get him? Like, they're just a bit mean, aren't they? They are. Yeah, look at him. Yeah, they are. Mm. But, yeah, so that we met online. And the first few months of our relationship was not easy at all. So Paul lied about how long it had been since him and his wife had split up. It was sooner than I was hoping for. And life was still very difficult here, wasn't it? Yeah. With the kids and your ex. And uh-huh. and we went through an absolute storm, didn't we? Yeah. So, and then there was many times that Paul dumped me, uh, which I like to remind him of often. So he, life would get too difficult and he'd go, I just can't do this because I can't have something else to deal with. And then we'd dump me. And then a few days later, he'd message me going, I miss you. <laughs> and, uh, and then we'd get back together and people weren't happy. My friends were not happy. But one day he dumped me on the morning of my nan's funeral, which I thought was nice. Um, <laughs> he's literally sat here shaking his head at me. Like he's an amazing guy. He was just going through a horrible time. And that at funeral I went to, oh man, I was really inappropriate. It was really bad. I just, yeah, it wasn't great. Anyway, yeah, uh, because I was like in a weird mood. 
So yeah, that's how we met, Shannon. Uh, so, Gail, how do you stay motivated, especially if one of you is having a bad day? She's asked a couple of questions, so we'll answer that first. How do I stay motivated? I just love it. And if, I, if I'm not motivated, I... You take a break from yeah. being in here yeah. and, yeah, just take, you know, take a, the afternoon or the morning or whatever just to reset or whatever, don't you? Yeah, I don't force it because no. if you try and force it, you're just going to sit here, get more frustrated, get more angry that you're not getting on with the stuff you need to be getting on with. So, yeah, I think most of the time, and I think that comes down to the passion. I think that comes down to the thing that you absolutely love. And I, you've had this a lot, haven't you, where... He left the Air Force, you adored that job and you were very motivated for that job. And you've got a really good job, but it doesn't motivate you in the same way, no. which is hard. Yeah. And nothing will, to be honest, no. what I used to do. So, yeah, yeah. This is where it's just an adjustment time for me, I think, just to work out. And that's a lot to do with why we do so much in the garden. So, actually, Gail's next question was how do you both separate? Sorry, do you both have separate hobbies or both generally enjoy the same interests? So obviously we love doing stuff in the garden. Yeah. And Paula's built the greenhouse for me, which is phenomenal and amazing because this guy can build anything. Um, and you love doing that stuff, don't you? Yeah. So people think I'm just really lucky and that, you know, I bat, batter Paul into making these things for me, but he does really love it. And then you are a skier. Yeah. You're a very, skiing. very good skier. Yeah. I don't. Paul likes walking. I don't. Yeah. Uh, Paul likes mountains. You like sitting on mountains. I like sitting on mountains. <laughs> and having a having a glass of fizz. Yeah, that's what I like. Um, so, yeah, so but our hobby is we drink gin and we're really good at it <laughs> and fizz and mm. stuff. Yeah, we don't really have many hobbies, do we? Not both of us, no, together. No, but then your hobbies aren't ones that you can do all the time. No. So yeah. when so Paul will go skiing with his friends, or I'll go with him, and I'll sit on top of a mountain working, drinking fizz while he skis, which is fine by me. Gail also asked, "What's our favourite film?" So Paul and I love laughing; like it's our favourite thing, isn't mm. it? And we were thinking about what's our favourite film, and we actually think it's Step Brothers. It is so freaking funny; mm. like it's the one you can just keep watching and watching because it is really funny. Okay, we're getting down them now. So I think I think we're on our last one. Are we on our last one? Yeah, I think that's it. Uh, okay, so our last one is by Carol Cager, who's Cager Art, who's also in the Academy. She put, Paul, can you have a section on how to in the Academy, starting with greenhouses, so I can pass it on to my husband? <laughs> <laughs> like, I have come up with so many businesses for Paul. Like, yeah. the amount of people who have contacted me going, oh, my God, that thing you built, was that a template or was that a, something you bought? And I'm like, nope, I draw, I like, I have the vision and I tell him what I want and then he creates it, which is amazing. Carol asks, do we both like the same music? Uh, to an extent, yeah, I think so. Yeah, we both like dance music. Yeah. We both like fairly popular music. Although yeah. I did say the other day in the car, Paul was putting on some stuff and I was like, maybe you're getting too cool for me now. Because um, <laughs> it was like quite modern. I don't mind, like Paul says he has a really big, varied sense of taste. Mm. However, the stuff, old stuff that I put on, he doesn't Yeah, not like. old stuff. Like it's some no, old stuff that's fine, but not yeah. Yeah, no, we do pretty much. Paul is obsessed with having music on twenty four seven. This house is never quiet. That was something actually really interesting that I had to get used to because the radio, Radio One, he loves Radio One. It's on all the flipping time, isn't it? Mm. Because you just love it. So yeah, we do like similar music and we like festivals. Yeah, 
But the difference between Paul, old Paul, before Teresa and Paul now is we do VIP festivals because I am not one for something that isn't VIP. Um, and then the last question to Paul, although I've got two very quick questions. Do you ever sit down and relax? And how do you relax? Uh, no. No and no. <laughs> <laughs> Paul is not very good at relaxing, are you? No. Well, even while the weather's been nice, just sitting there for a bit, I just feel that I need to get up and do something. Yeah, and he does. So we'll be sat there outside and I'll be reading a book. Paul's not a big reader. He's not keen. And he'll um and he'll just get up and then go and look at something or plan something or think of something or yeah you do not relax easily do you no. when we go away that's the problem we both relax when we go away and we haven't been able to go away so that's so long a bit of an issue mm. okay so Paul final question obviously lots of my amazing people who listen to the podcast uh, there's a big chunk of them that are female or identify as female and lots of them also have partners so what is it like to what's the best thing and the worst thing about being with someone who runs their own business um the best thing is oh it's opened my eyes up to this world um lots of different people and lots of different businesses that didn't know i didn't know existed and then because you listen to lots of podcasts as well so i end up listening to a lot of subjects that i would never kind of listen to well i would never have done really so I think that and seeing how passionate you are about what you do yeah. and and how good you are at it, you know that's that's awesome. And and to be able to do it at home and you know run your own business, it's yeah. I think it's amazing. Worst things about it is that sometimes you just don't stop. Yeah, and I have to keep telling you to come downstairs. Yeah. You're going to come down in a minute, yeah. just finish this. Yeah. You can and come then down. I'm just going to reply to this one email and then half an hour later you're still up here. So, yeah, that's... And in some ways that you don't switch off, but then I think you quite like that, though. You know, if we have a down day, we had a fairly quiet weekend and I think, you know, I, I kind of like it when you are busy with work because, you know, you're kind of a bit... You've got a bit more energy or what? I don't know. I don't know. There's something, I think, you know... I think you think, and I think this is probably a bit true, that when I'm not working, I'm a bit lost. Yeah. So I'm a little bit like, I don't know, not not fed up, just a bit, I just don't want to do with myself mm. because I don't know what else to do. Mm. But since you've had the garden, that's helped both yeah. of us. Yeah, definitely. And we're really, we're a good team, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Like, I think this is a second marriage thing that we, you learn, I think, from the first one. Yeah. And, and, we, and again, don't take, don't take things too seriously. Yeah. And... You know, based on what else can happen in the world, this is really not that bad. So, mm. so yeah, we're pretty good at like working together on things and doing things together as a team. And and I think what you know, I wanted you to sort of say because I know how lucky I am and how much I appreciate the fact that you are so supportive. And Paul is my biggest cheerleader. He is more of a cheerleader than I am to myself sometimes when I doubt myself. Mm. And he's like, no, you know, you're going to be amazing. This is going to be amazing. Um, and I think the kids, you know, Harvey and, and B are very similar, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. You know, they all want me to succeed, mm. you know, even when I do it myself. And well, not that I don't want to succeed or where I doubt myself. Whereas I do know that there are people out there listening to this who don't have that support. And honestly, I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they manage to run a business that is hard enough in the first place without then having someone on their team to go, you've got this. This is amazing. Mm. Yeah, and to celebrate those things with you because that's the other thing, and it's not always about the money either, is it? No, no, it's yeah, the achievement of some of these things as yeah. well. So you know, 
I listen to it, obviously I can hear over here all, all your calls is pretty much, especially when you do a group call and stuff and you're talking to all these different people and helping them and, and finding out what they, you know, what they're struggling with and you help them out. It's amazing. I think it's awesome. Mm. Thanks. So thanks for being a guest on the podcast, Paul. Would you like to, us to link up to your stuff in the show notes? Yes, please. What have you got? Have you got a lead magnet for people to download? No, I can stamp to just envelope. I can send them <laughs> a few leaflets and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And we want to know whether uh, sweatbands are a go or not. <laughs> yeah, please, please let me know if you're listening to this and, and you back Paul up and think I should have branded uh, sweatbands. Mm. And do you think leaflets are a, a goer for 2022? It's coming back. <laughs> then maybe let us know. But thank you. Thank you so much, as always, for listening to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Obviously, I wouldn't be doing episode 200 if it wasn't for you guys listening. Uh, and thank you, Mr. Paul, for not only being a guest, but also being an amazing, supportive husband. I appreciate it greatly. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And I will see you next week for episode 201. See you then. Thank you so much for listening to the Marketing That Converts podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, then I would love it so very much if you were happy enough to head over to iTunes and give me a review. 